Hello and welcome back to What's Happening. I'm your host Chase Shropshire and today we'll begin into some NBA talk, 2019 finals breakdown, the future of Golden State Warriors, and my thoughts on the Lakers trade for Anthony Davis. But right after you tell me something good. Now the first thing to tell me something good today is I was reading an article about this Army veteran. Uh, his name's KT Robbins and he reunites with his lost love of 75 years. How this all started was a France news station was inquiring just about stories about World War II, and they found this gentleman, and he was speaking to them about how he fell in love with this French girl in 1944 while he was serving and fighting in northeastern uh, France uh, during World War II. And when they finally met again, he ended up saying that he loved her and that she had never left his heart. And after all of that time, she only could understand that she that he loved her. And back then, when she believed that he was going to be, come back to her, she just began learning English in the hopes that he would return. And what I find so amazing about this is even after KT Robbins married another woman, he never forgot about where his heart truly lied, even after all that time. And it's quite amazing what we're willing to do for love as human beings because this woman was learning English for all that time while the man she loved was, for all she knew, dead or might not ever come to see her again. And I think it was so powerful that she didn't really understand anything else that he was saying other than the phrase, I love you. And it's just so powerful to me that the phrase and the word love is just so accepting over any language like that. And I'm sure that she didn't just hear it and say, wow, okay, I understand. Like he loves me just based off of his phrasing. I guarantee it was his body language, the way that they hugged and just that instant connection that they shared all that time ago. So that's the first thing. Now, the second topic that I want to bring up and tell me something good is I was reading about uh, this fifth grade graduation and there's a fifth grade student who wasn't as well off as the other kids and he lost his shoe. They, his other shoe was damaged and himself and another teacher went to the arts teacher to try and see if they could repair his shoes. Here comes a substitute teacher who ended up giving the fifth grade student his own shoes because they wore the same size. And that was so incredible to me because it was a substitute teacher who I don't know for how long that substitute teacher was teaching at that school or how often he came in, but this is a gentleman who might not have had the same emotional connection with these students that an everyday teacher would have with them, an everyday member of the staff would have with them. And it's just amazing that he did such a kind gesture and such a random act of kindness. And he didn't have to be kind. It wasn't in his job description to give the shoes off of his own feet to this kid. But he made another person's day just because he was willing to sacrifice such a simple thing that he probably took for granted every day or most of us take for granted every day. And this gentleman was able to make this fifth graders graduation day special. And it's just truly amazing. And then the last thing is a video by one of my favorite creators, Steven Crowder. It's a part of his Change My Mind segment and it was on hate speech. And if you're unfamiliar with Steven Crowder's Change My Mind, I can't imagine because the memes are everywhere, but basically he goes to like a college or a business or whatever, sets up a table outside and he has his position 
laid out in front of everybody of what he believes, in this case, hate speech. And it's an open forum discussion, and he allows other people to come up and speak with him and try and change his mind. The goal of which is to find some sort of common ground between clashing ideas or two different parties that believe different things. The reason why it's so good is the video is always executed flawlessly. The audio is great. The people who come up to speak that they show, it just shows you the kind of difference in opinions. And I think that the video does a good job at bringing up some valid criticism from both sides. And they even have their own lawyer now who provides kind of a legal context to it, which I really enjoy. Um, and this is a specific topic. I'd like to take a deeper dive into maybe on Friday or a different day because I think that there's a lot there to unpack in the hate speech aspect of it. And it's really interesting. So we'll probably unpack that a little bit later down the line. But now let's get into some basketball. So the 2019 finals, I want to preface this by saying I am not an advanced analytics guy. I'm just not. Not that it's kind of murky for me, but I enjoy witnessing greatness. And then you look at the box where you see what they do. But for me, the context is a lot of what you watch. But I do recognize like true shooting percentages and certain other advanced analytics that do hold a good amount of weight. Offensive rating, defensive rating, things like that. Overall... The stats were fairly comparable across the board between the Toronto Raptors and the Golden State Warriors. Yes, the Toronto Raptors had a little bit higher of an offensive rating, a little bit higher of a defensive rating. The Raptors were getting more steals due to their length and less assists by about five a game because they had an elite bucket getter in Kawhi Leonard. And the Golden State Warriors didn't have Kevin Durant. They had a version of him for game five, but we all saw how that went. So in short, the Raptors, they had, they were scoring and firing on all cylinders. I mean, they had six players that scored in double digits. And Golden State only had three. And leading up to each game, it seemed like the narrative was continually being restated that the depth that the Raptors had, especially on the defensive end, was just too much for the Warriors to, to deal with. And I agree with that. If you look at the Raptors versus the Warriors. You have elite defenders on the Raptors at every position. And you don't have that with the Warriors, especially with the length. I mean, you had Boogie Cousins who was injured, came back kind of hobbled. Kevin Durant, that those two guys, specifically Kevin Durant, because he's became not only a capable defender, but he is an elite defender. And he's a bucket getter. Everybody knows, like he is money from the bank. Like anywhere on the court, Kevin Durant will put in the work and he'll give you that every single night. Kawhi Leonard was able to get his and he was not 100% healthy. He was hobbled. He was banged up. And that was, I think, the underlying theme of this finals was, man, they are messed up. Injuries plagued both sides. And I think that's in a lot of finals. When you look back at history, I mean, injuries, once you get to that point, they all compile. Eventually, whether it's star players, whether it's role players, you're going to be missing key parts of your team. And Golden State had that. 
I'll admit the Toronto Raptors were not as hobbled, but they also had the depth to kind of get away from that. Fred Van Fleet, Pascal Siakam, Mark Gasol, on any given night, like I said, six of those guys scored in double digits for the Raptors every single night. Three players for the Golden State Warriors did that. And to just put in perspective, like the depth topic and how much value that had in those games, that game where Steph Curry dropped 47, they lost the game. The Raptors were in control of the game. I mean, it was a valiant effort and one of the greatest playoff games in the history of the league, but they just didn't have the help. And Steph Curry and Clay can average 65 points, average 70 points. But where are the rest of the points coming from on their end? Because Draymond Green wasn't shooting the ball particularly well this year at all. But he was still distributing, still doing his thing. Iggy on any given night, he would give you flashbacks. He'd give you some hope and give you some good production. But you didn't have a lot of guys outside of that. I mean, they really stretched out with Alonzo McKinney with what's his, Kevon Looney. They really got the most they could out of that set of guys. At the end of the day, the Raptors, they had length everywhere on the defensive end. Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, Marc Gasol, Danny Green. In terms of defensive talent and potential, the Raptors just had it in spades. And the Warriors were not, they were not the same defensive team. I mean, you take Klay Thompson away, already that has an incredible negative impact on the defensive end. And then you take away Kevin Durant. And at that point, I mean, Steph is a capable defender, but he's not elite. Draymond Green, now he's an elite defender, but he hasn't looked himself in terms of overall impact that he once had. The same thing with Sean Livingston. Sean Livingston was a very capable defender with them a few years ago, and he would get you a bucket or two within 15 feet and and do his thing for maybe 10 points a night. He's aging as well. Andre Iguodala. Guy who should be averaging about like 12, 15 a game or has the potential to. He hit some big shots, played some good defense, but at the end of the day, they just did not have enough overall to win it. Something I think is incredibly interesting is now that we have that injury to uh, Clay Thompson with his ACL and Kevin Durant rupturing his Achilles, the West is going to look totally different. And we'll get into that a little bit more with the Lakers. But with Klay Thompson not being back until February, at least, Kevin Durant, Achilles, we don't know how that's going to look. Maybe he's okay for the playoffs next year, but some people question, what Kevin Durant are we going to get? I heard somebody make the comment, I think it might have been Nick Wright or someone else, that he might come back as a Carmelo Anthony. Still being able to give you buckets, but not being able to push his team over the top or really contribute. I disagree with that. If you look at Kevin Durant's skill set and his abilities as a basketball player, I firmly believe that from this Achilles tear or rupture, he'll, he'll be fine. I really do. Because his game isn't 100% predicated on his athleticism, but he's long. He's one of the greatest shot makers of all time, and he can score from anywhere on the court. That doesn't just go away. 
yes, with rehabilitation and everything, getting him back in game shape, it's going to take a while for him to get his groove. But he's going to get it and pick it up, and then he's going to be contributing all over again. The thing is, is that with the Warriors now, that's more of a question mark of how does the West Coast look as opposed to with the Warriors healthy. So that's a perfect segue into the Lakers trade, right? They trade Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and this year's 2019 fourth overall pick and three other first round picks for the foreseeable future. So now we're looking at the Lakers like, man, they might have a shot. Then there's the Nuggets. Like, wow, they really got far with Nikola Jokic with all the guys they got. And then you have Michael Porter Jr. coming back for them. And that, that man can play. We don't know what he's going to look like on the NBA floor. You got the Port- Portland Trailblazers, which, in my opinion, I think that they reached their peak of what they are as a team, as constructed right now. But, I mean, they're still in the mix. Golden State isn't as much of a sure thing as before. And then you even have the Clippers, a young team like that. And we don't know who they're going to get in the offseason. And the Warriors are getting old. They're going to start regressing. You see it with, and it's really terrible to see, honestly. Because Clay, Clay's been pretty productive and he still gets his bucket. So does Steph. But Draymond Green... Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston, I feel like you can see the wear and tear on their body so much more just because of how they play and their, and their age with Sean Livingston and, and Iggy. So they're not the same kind of team with that motor that they had before. And they lost the, a lot of depth with the trade with OKC for Kevin Durant and the teams they have involved. They lost a lot of their depth. That made that 73-win team so great. But this is going to be a great way for Steph Curry to show what he's made of. Because now we can see him hopefully get back to MVP form. That was the one thing that I was so disappointed about. Not the most disappointed, because I'm an OKC fan. So seeing my boy Kevin Durant leave was heartbreaking. It was terrible. But the other thing was we just saw Steph Curry come off of a unanimous MVP, the first in NBA history, unanimously voted on as the MVP of the league, where this man was averaging 30 points a game. He was shooting it from like three-quarters court. I mean, he was doing such incredible things that we'd never seen on a basketball court before up until him. And now we have the opportunity to get that Steph Curry back. And that's exciting. Because I'm not on the bandwagon of, yo, the Warriors are better without Kevin Durant. They play differently. I'll give you that. They're not better without Kevin Durant. There's not going to be a team in the league. He's one of those players that's better without him. He brings that thing that they needed, that X factor, that give me the ball, I can ISO, and I can rise up on everybody in this league. That's what Kevin Durant gives you. He's the icing on the cake. But... At the same time, this will allow Steph to be his own man again, to take the reins of his team and be the number one option without a doubt. Because especially starting off this season, and it might be rough for them. I I can see them going just slightly above 500 in worst case scenario. I don't think that they'll be, 
a sub 500 team with Steph at the helm, but I could see them being 25 and 15, 25 and 16, like they're above it, but they're, they're better than that. So we could see the Golden State Warriors be maybe the fourth seed, the third seed. Things could change very quickly in the Western Conference for Golden State. And that allows a team like the Lakers, where there's this power vacuum created by the absence of stars in Golden State, to use that trade for Anthony Davis and the financial situation they're in to try and put a team around LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Kyle Kuzma. That was a big win of that trade, I think, was keeping Kyle Kuzma. I'm a big fan of Lonzo Ball. I've loved, I've loved watching his highlights since high school. I've loved watching him in college. I loved watching what he did in the Summer League. I'm a big fan. Same thing. I mean, Brandon Ingram, I like watching some of his stuff in college. And then Josh Hart's a great shooter. I personally thought that they should keep Josh Hart or push the keep for him. But I'm sure that to sweeten the pot with the Pelicans, they're like, hey, you gave us Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, not really proven shooters. We want a guy who can shoot because it's a shooter's league. And this is all kind of interesting in the realm of the trade because they also got the fourth overall pick for this year. And the draft's tomorrow. So when they're on the clock, I mean, they don't have much time between now and then to trade the pick. So if they're looking to get another piece, the Pelicans, with that pick, they might push to trade that away first. They might have somebody drafted that position that maybe they want to keep or maybe they want to trade. And I think it depends on just how it plays out. Because we've talked about with this draft and at least the sports media about how it's pretty top heavy from the sports casters perspective, right? They've all said like it's very top heavy and I have my opinions about that. That could be for another day, but they think like one, two, three guaranteed absolute talent and then beyond that they believe it falls off. So really what is that number four overall pick value in the grand scheme of things to everyone else, to GMs, to owners? But at this point, even just building a team around LeBron and Anthony Davis, you can find success in a basically Golden Stateless West. And you can find good success with that. In my opinion, because looking at their cap space now, it was originally reported they might have around 32, like a little less than what a max player could get. So people were talking about Kemba, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, guys like that. I personally don't even think that they should go that route anyway, even if the cap was that high. But it's looking like the caps could be closer to $23 million. With $23 million, things change. You can't, you can't go after a guy who is a superstar talent or an all-star talent. You probably want to just focus on filling out your roster with really solid role players. I would say like three to four really solid pieces or just round out your starting lineup, right? So like you have LeBron, you have AD, you have Kuz. You look to get a really solid shooting guard and then you look to get a really good point guard. So I don't know, maybe go after Seth Curry at the point guard spot. And then the shooting guard spot. I don't really know who you get there when we're talking about non-all-stars. But I think you can build a team around 
those two players and then just fill the roster with um, role players as well as shooters. Because LeBron's proven time and time again that he can find success with shooters. That's actually when he gets the most success. It doesn't work when it's with ball handlers and other decision makers. We saw that last year. Those guys just did not gel together because the play styles didn't make sense. LeBron needs an open lane. That's where he does the most damage. And that's why AD is perfect because AD, people forget when AD got injured and then whenever he came back and then he didn't get to play that much with the Pelicans because of everything that happened. But there's a recency bias. There's a time where a lot of people just think like, oh man, in the moment, this person's so good. This person is a great scorer. Anthony Davis, when healthy and playing a full 82 games, he is an MVP caliber player. Top three, normally. He's a guy who gives you 26 and a half, 13 and two and a half blocks. He does it on both ends. He's able to shoot the mid-range, the three-pointer, the free throw. And it's not solely that he can shoot the ball, which already adds to the spacing. But he can handle the ball and make good plays and decisions for his teammates. He's all around an amazing player and a top five player at least when he's healthy and when we last saw him. So where does that really leave the Lakers at this point? Well, again, I believe that they need to be going after role players, going after shooters. If they go after any star player, and all they have right now, the cap space is $23 million. If that is indeed what they have, I don't think you have a lot of options for all-star players. Because again, then your roster is going to take an incredible hit. You're not going to have a lot of talent at the other positions. And you're not going to be deep. Maybe seeing what the Wizards are trying to do with Bradley Beal. I believe he can be a max player. His contract right now, on average, he's getting about $25 million a year. I mean, if somebody's willing to take a pay cut to go to the Lakers, to be in that weather, to play with LeBron and AD, and the marketing that surrounds all of that, that would be very good for the Lakers, obviously. But again, the Washington Wizards have been a mess the past couple years. The Lakers are right now a mess. No one knows what's going on with them. Who's running them? Who's making decisions? We're kind of figuring it out piece by piece now. But that's not a perfect situation for any player. So I don't know if if all-star caliber players are wanting to play there. So in short, the NBA is going to look totally different next year. And I am all for it and on board. I know a lot of people have been saying... We want more parity in the NBA and all this. Like Kevin Durant ruined it. LeBron ruined it. Somebody's always ruining the league, right? According to fans and members of the media. But if you look at it, basketball has never been solely about parity. I mean, there's been those years, right? There's been those years where the Pistons won, where the Kings could have won. There has been individual seasons like that. But we like to see the stars 
battle it out. We wanted to see a Kobe and LeBron. Like we want to see those souped up teams battling it out. The only difference now is we're having fatigue because for the last five years, it seemed to only be two teams. And now we got something different this year. And that's a whole nother topic with what that means for the Raptors. But there's going to be a lot of interesting developments out of next year. Not just because of free agency, but because of movement and injuries and storylines. I mean, the whole thing with the Lakers and where's Kyrie going? There's so much to ask. There's so many freaking questions and no one seems to have the answers to it. So I can't wait to start just putting out podcasts and ideas out there based off of that this next season because it's going to just be maybe a circus act or maybe it'll be one of the greatest seasons that we've ever watched as fans. So that's going to be it for this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we'll catch you in the next one.